0: that's why i have a hard time like answering what's your ceo job i'm just a bigger fish in the same pond but it doesn't necessarily mean i'm the big fish i'm just i'm just maybe the striped fish or i'm the clown fish i'm the center of attention that that's what it is i'm the clown fish cuz i'm the center of attention i'm nemo everybody else are all the other fish are the trout the salmon the whales It's everything else in our pond. But I'm the clownfish because everybody always knows where I am, what I look like, and when I walk in. And it's just the reality. There's a problem with being the great white. You're so big, you move slow, and you can only take big bites at a time. If you're a little clownfish, you need to be agile, nimble. You need to be able to get everywhere while still being in the eye of everyone.
1: Welcome to CEO On The Go Welcome back to CEO on the go and to this very special episode. I'm guessing you may not have thought about the CEO role as a clownfish, but my guest did. So we were just chatting after the official recording was over, and I really liked what he said. So I thought that that was worthwhile to share with you just to kickstart the episode today. It's a great metaphor to consider. You just never know exactly what to expect with each of these episodes, do you? Keeps it interesting. Speaking of which... My interesting guest today is someone I had the pleasure of meeting last year working on a special project together. And I was so impressed with his global experience, his business leadership, strategic insights, Clearly, he has an entrepreneurial spirit, and I also noticed his calm demeanor working under a lot of pressure, which is something a lot of executives have to work on. His name is Jose Ramon Riestra. He's owner and CEO of Empire Management Group based in Central Florida. And Just a little background, and he'll explain as well. Jose Ramon was working internationally with Procter & Gamble and GlaxoSmithKline. When he then retired to take over a small family business that's grown significantly over the years. And the business is poised for tremendous next level growth. Jose Ramon was named one of Central Florida's top CEOs in 2020. He's making an impact, not just in his business, but in his industry. His work is all about building better communities. He shows strong empathy. He's a, a great listener to employees. I think he represents a new or newer, younger generation of leaders that view the world and business differently. Leaders who are driven to make both a business and social impact, and, and they're doing business differently compared to generations before. And, and that's a good thing. You'll see that his business truly puts employees first to create better experience for customers, team members, and families. And I think you'll like hearing his perspective on a lot of issues, especially related to leadership and business growth. Enjoy my conversation with Jose Ramon Riestra. Jose, welcome to CEO on the Go podcast.
0: Hey, how you doing, Gail? Good to have you.
1: Good. Yeah, I'm glad we could finally get together. I know that we had uh, an attempt last week and flat tire got in the way. So that's just how life goes, right?
0: It's an unfortunate side effect of my business. I've gone through five tires this year.
1: (laughs) And I said, I actually had a flat tire just a few weeks ago too. And I think I actually reported on it on the podcast too. So anyway, I'm glad that you're here. We have a lot to talk about that I think will be really helpful for CEOs and senior executives that are in kind of high growth mode. And you're a perfect example, given where you are in your business right now, to be able to help share some insights and experience with people who want to know more can learn from you.
0: Well, thank you. I'll do my best to make sure this is productive for everyone, and and that I can give something they can use.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I know that you've you've grown a very successful business, and you know lessons learned. W- would love to hear something critical that you think really contributed to that success, as well as any any big mistake or setback that's been in your way that that you've learned from as well.
0: Well. I think it's important to give you a little insight on how I got here really quick. Um, I'm originally from Spain. I lived all over the world due to my dad's life, ended up in Procter & Gamble after college um, for six, seven years. Then I went to GSK in Europe for another four or five years. And then after that, I ended up taking over a small family business here in Central Florida in the community management space. Which is basically property management for homeowners associations and condos so it's really an industry that has been forgotten most people don't really call their community management company unless they're upset with something they're not ever really a company that's top of mind for the average person now coming into something that was completely alien to me the only thing i could really rely on at first was what never lies which is the numbers getting into the pure fundamentals of what are the real financials of the business not whatever anybody could tell me or somebody else's prepared financials it allowed me to really live it for the first few months and understand the fallacies the type of invoices the cash flows and so on how to all the payroll access through it and at the very beginning it's really you know learning curve it's like climbing mount everest because business doesn't stop on a day in, day out. It's been a big journey, but the big mistake would be not changing the operation to match with your systems and times. What usually happens? Let's say, even being a big company, I remember doing system implementations of Procter & Gamble, but the biggest problem that happens is that everybody working with the new systems try to make new systems work to the way they want it to work, the way they were taught to do it before. That creates a massive gap because it creates the ability for manual processes outside where automation should reside. The more cooks in the kitchen, the more salt on the plate. It's the same thing.
1: I was going to say, that's... um. So common to see, and how it, it just exemplifies how people tend to to grasp onto what they've already known or done. And in today's environment, it's so much more important to look to the future and be open to trying new things, new ways, and looking at where where things are trending. So um, I think that that's great advice. I was curious to know, since I know that you and I had talked about the expansion that's uh, on on the horizon for you. What are you most excited about now when you look into the future for your business? Any particular growth opportunity?
0: I'm super excited over the fact that due to the growth that we're having, certainly here in Florida, um, I'm going to get to get to know new areas of the state and places that I would have never even driven through. Um, reason being is I'm seeing a lot of the post-pandemic with all the people moving to the state of Florida because of quality of life, weather, no income tax, a bunch of other benefits. They're also leaving the cities. So, some of the developers that I work with are starting to build large, fantastic, beautiful properties, fully amenitized, out in what one would consider the middle of nowhere. But it also brings new opportunities in being able to bring what people would consider a quality of service you can get only in. Close knit urban areas where you require these things. Figuring out, thanks to technology, how we can offer it out in these areas uh, where we might not have an immediate presence in at the time. It's definitely a challenge, and one that I'm really relishing because I'm very excited because it means that we finally reached that next level that I want to be able to reach, where I'm more actively managing a business them being a part of the business. And that's the moment that I'm actually doing what I will excel at, which is running it all and and taking us to another level.
1: I'm so glad that you brought that up because that was leading to one of my other questions and also kind of dovetailing on a topic that came up with uh, my last guest that I had interviewed, Martin Drake. We were talking about how when CEOs are kind of at this point where they're really stepping into a new threshold of growth in their business. It requires kind of this mental leap, being able to really step into their role differently. And one of the points that he made is no one really writes your job description. So you kind of have to carve it out on your own, right? And- and be realistic about what needs to change so why do you say that you're stepping into you know what what is your strength now that given this this opportunity that you have what do you expect to be different
0: i really believe part of that exposé, expose, if you want to call it is being honest enough that i don't know everything i know what i'm good at and i know that i can probably go out and maybe find one or two people in the industry that I could find that can help me fill that expertise gap, which means it allows me to have better delegation and better trust that the advice that I'm getting on decisions is what I need to do, uh, rather than half doing it or half deciding it because what I don't know means potential liability. And in doing so, I have to be more of an exploratory executor. I can't be, whether I like it or not, bogged down on little items or overwhelmed by little things when I'm trying to focus on the big picture. Um, A lot of people say that CEO is supposed to be the safeguard of the vision of the company. We are the ones who have to set the tone and the direction and everything trickles down from the top because like they used to say the buck stops at us nobody else can make the decision that nobody else can take but us. It's a difficult position to be in because our roles are extremely fluid. I've done everything from take out the trash in the office or picking out trash in the community to ordering supplies to making big decisions on completely redesigning organizations which has direct impact on people's lives so i've tried to consider myself what everybody calls the ceo but we all know that if i'm all day in meetings there's a lot of things are not being decided so i really think the concept of the ceo no longer exists the way it used to even at major corporations their roles have completely changed thanks to the advent of social media, because now they're more in the eye of society and they're going to get picked out for anything else. Um, The change of how we operate also completely changes. Now that we just took on an acquisition, we're looking at direct growth expansion. I also need to be able to have the flexibility that any employee can come to me with an existing issue But I also need to be quickly able to think, all right, new office location, new contracts, presentations, this, and be able to separate myself very quickly. Um, I would almost say that my role is more of a chief designer. I'm designing the vision. I'm designing the organization. I'm designing even how we talk, Um, even though I have nothing to do with designing anything. It's really part of what we're doing. We're builders. We're, we're building it all up. That's why I really don't like the concept of the CEO, um, the way it's characterized in history and you know, what we've been told they've been
1: yeah. I love that distinction. And I also like the fact that you mentioned uh, exploratory, being exploratory. And I think that that's something I try to emphasize a lot with my own clients is being inquisitive, being curious, exploring, not feeling the pressure that you have to have all the answers. Um, so I, th- I think that you're modeling that so well. Um, I know that when we talked earlier, you mentioned that you have such a strong emphasis on being able to listen to your people, which is really impressive. And as you grow, what do you sense will happen? Because you're so, you seem to be so generous and that's such an important part of your culture right now. So how do you en- envision being able to balance either your need or desire to want to kind of keep that personal connection and, and let employees know that they're heard uh, versus what you just said, being able to do the design work, you know, kind of looking at the business instead of being in it?
0: You know, thankfully enough, I'm still young enough where I remember those days where I was doing 20-hour days nonstop for three weeks. And at the end of it, getting it's like, oh, good presentation. Not much out of it. You know, I, I still remember those very vividly. And uh, I empathize when people put in the, the effort, right? When people show the dedication, especially for something that might not be directly theirs. When we are CEOs, we are responsible for everything. I feel a direct personal responsibility for my employees' livelihoods, for their kids' education, for the success of those families. That's my responsibility, too, as a CEO. If I have employees that are all in having to get benefits with issues at home, with not having an outlet to express what they need... There's no way in hell I'm going to have an employee that's effective in what they do. Find an employee that's concerned on whether or not they can get basic childcare because they can't make it to the office because the kid's sick or whatever. I can't expect them to put their all-in on my customer because let's keep in mind, at the end of the day, it's not just their customer because they can end up leaving and then I'm still stuck with the customer one way or another. Uh, so, if I don't make my employees the core of what I do, I don't have customers because there's no way me or the leadership team can end up handling everybody else. Uh, so, part of what I do is um, I've developed these, what I like to call the pillars. Remember, I talked about designing the, the construction. Once you have a strong foundation, you need strong pillars to hold the roof. So we created different pillars that the organization runs um, where they just come to me with, this is our proposal, this is the budget we want, this is what we need. We have an organizational pillar, which is uh, three members of the leadership team that help me with succession planning and, and showing people that we have a plan, a career plan, not just a job plan. We have a basically a nonprofit pillar where we involve our employees in the nonprofits that they support, not the ones that the company brings up, but specifically. So we have an employee that organizes things for single um, minority moms. So they have access to things like diapers. Um, We support them. We do everything for them. So we bring that behind it. Then we have a wellness pillar, where it's the employees being able to provide feedback between themselves and shoot it directly to the top on what they want and needs. And through that, we've been able to offer new benefits and and different options. And then last but not least, we have uh, that communications pillar. Because it's not just um, how we are perceived to third parties, customers, potential customers, but it's also internally to our employees. Um, To me, it's a matter of pride that I want my employees to be able to go home and show their mom, you know where I work? Here's the website check out our website. It's it's so great. I'm so proud to work here. So, I can run my business if I don't involve them. And part of what I do is giving them outlets that doesn't necessarily require them to be all over me, but give them the ability to make changes through me. They have the ability to go almost like collectively decide, this is the culture aspect we want to implement this year. And as long as we all agree that it's within our our values, we go with it and we and we do it for everything else, but it's I make it their responsibility. So it doesn't just lie to me. so they're also building the workplace they want to work in,
1: yeah, that's, that's a great um idea for more CEOs to consider. Um I know some are not there yet, uh, still trying to kind of impose what they think that the company uh, what the company cares about, but there's there's mutual interest there or desires that both the the employer and the employee would have. And if you can arrive at both, then that's ideal. Um, you mentioned those pillars. Are those uh, pillars or values something that you expect to stay in place as you grow and expand? How often do you look at them or, or reevaluate them?
0: You know, uh, those who studied U.S. history would recognize some documents from the time in the early in the founding of the USA that said that the original plan was that the Constitution would be revised every so often with the times to match its people. And uh, I see it the same way. Uh, When we have the need for another pillar to support the roof, when we have a need to that one no longer makes sense and to merge with another, that's what we're going to do. It should be a fluid thing. At the end of the day, what should be solid is the foundation pillars can always be moved around the property as long as it supports the roof.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And you're also reinforcing yet another point um, in a previous podcast about strategy and the importance of having that be fluid and looking that more frequently and not setting into place you know, a five-year stagnant plan because things are moving too quickly, even though that's a lot of what the traditional thinking was when it comes to strategy development. So- yeah sounds like you' you've got a lot of moving pieces that you're you're handling well and preparing for the next leap. Is there anything else that you're you're thinking about that would be different compared to what you're used to as as you're preparing for this this next level growth and expanding your impact? Anything we haven't touched on that you think would be important just to to note
0: To me, the most important aspect with the organization is trust, you know we've gone from 14 to 72 employees in the last six years and i can't do that without being able to trust basically everybody who works for me everybody who's out there hustling getting the work done and so on they know that when they're doing that they're representing the company and thus they're representing me and everybody else in the company as well Um, one person making a bad impression has an impression on all of us, and as you well will know, it takes a lifetime to create a reputation and one second to throw it all away. And when you're in a business that it's all about word of mouth, half the time, because um, when you need a new management company, you don't just go on Google as management companies in the area. You usually go ask your neighbor or go ask the community next door or a community that you like, or you ask your friends, who runs your community, right? So I have to develop that trust with with all my employees.
1: What is your secret to that? People want to know. (laughs) because I think a lot of CEOs struggle with that.
0: We all struggle with it because we've all been burnt. We all try to be good people. At least I I trust most of us are, uh, try to be good people. And in trying to be decent we're gonna get burnt a lot. The problem is when people let that change who they are. Uh, In our aspect, have we helped employees out with buying a car or buying a home or renting or childcare or whatever it is they needed, extra time? Doesn't matter. And then turn around and literally slap in your face, walk off, no notice or whichever after years, it happens, it happens. But if I let it change how I trust the people who have proven they deserve my trust, just because I'm bitter or burnt over a recent experience, it changes then foundationally even our values as a company. If part of my values are transparency and honesty, not only should I expect it from those who work for me, but they should expect it from me as well. If we're in trouble or if there's a contract in trouble or whichever, they're going to know about it. And usually when they hear that, they hustle even harder. When we tell them about the growth and so on, they go at it without even asking. I've tried to show them over the years that we're vested in them as much as they are vested in us. One thing is additional benefits or whichever, but something I also learned in my corporate career that is hard to come by, is the honesty of having somebody's back, but actually, truly having it. A lot of people say they do. But when as hit the fan, as you know, with the pandemic and everything going on, whichever, that was the moment for many of us to stand up and say, I got you.
1: Yeah. I know you didn't even lose employees then. You said you held on to them, right?
0: Yeah, We had no idea what to do. They didn't train us in business school to, well, in a pandemic, this is what you need to do in case one of your employees gets sick and almost dies, but you don't know at what point you should hire in detriment of the organization. They didn't teach us to deal with the ethical conundrums and the impact of business stopping overnight. Um, I told them, my guys, I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea how this is going to play out. We're going to do our best we're going to we told them we're going to invest in technology so you can work from home full time if you need to permanently. We're going to do what we need to so that I don't have to stop paying you and you don't have to look for a job elsewhere in this time. I will say some of the federal programs were absolutely incredibly well timed and and perfect at the time for some companies. For us one of them worked fantastically well and it got us those three, four months of very, very difficult times in the beginning. Any employee who was there then is here now. And I know if I turned off my phone for a week, if I really needed to just turn off my phone for a week and disappeared, I would come back and everything would be fine because I know they got me too. So, and it goes more about just, Hey, if you're sick, stay home. I've been to funerals these last few years. I've been to birthdays. <laughs> I've been to hospitals. It's been a very difficult year for anybody in any leadership position, especially those who, who have these sort of relationship with their employees. If I remember when we were 14 people, I knew I started with the trust of three or four because I also have to show people that they could trust me and that. But the most important thing to generate that trust is actually do what you say. If you tell them I'm gonna call you later today, they're expecting that call. Everybody, no matter the level, is nervous to talk to the CEO. It's a big deal, no matter the size of the company. That employee is expecting it. They try to respect our time. We also need to respect theirs. And it's really doing it. If I told them, I'm there at your meeting. It doesn't matter whatever it is. I'll handle it. If I've had to literally, we had a board meeting once where one of the board members just started calling one of my directors a liar to her face. Uh, And like all these things, just horrible. I just politely told them, hey, you can go find somebody else that you feel more in tune with. It didn't really sink until the end of the meeting that they realized what happened. but. I know I'm never going to lose that employee because in her time of need, I said you are more important to me than one customer. I don't care what that customer pays if I can't have you, and and that's very important going into basically the modern work era, where people want to feel they work in a place with meaning, but also a place that supports them. But you know now we get to fill so many more checklist of things that people also want because it's also there well-being, their emotional, their health, aside from just being able to have a good job that pays well. Um, So we're trying, I'm not saying we're perfect, but we're really trying to to provide more around this.
1: Yeah. Just the intention that you have, the example that you're sharing about That level of commitment that you have to the employees is so wonderful to hear. And I know that a lot of other CEOs and senior executives really do want to to make employees more front and center. So I know as we're wrapping up, I was just curious to know if there's anything we haven't touched on or any piece of final advice or encouragement that you might have for other CEOs out there who are thinking, I'm at this juncture too, or I want to get to that point point in fast growth where I'm really ready for the next level. You know, just any other any other final piece of advice that you want to share?
0: Yes. Um, I think something I've realized now after a few years as well and running big teams and so on, there is a point where you're no longer in the business, but you have to run the business. It dawned on me probably four years in, so about two years ago, that I had already been in the trenches enough that while I know what going and dealing with specific homeowner in this community is with, that if I involve myself to the point of every micro issue going on, and I don't trust my team to handle it, that I'm not running a business. It creates stagnation. Because I am more worried about every little tiny drama, tiny this, tiny whichever, that can Believe it or not, we'll overtake our days. Mm-hmm.
1: You become the bottleneck.
0: For everybody, exactly. Because then everybody wants you, but you're dealing with, oh my God, Sally sent me an email and I didn't like the tone of it. Pick up the phone and call her. Resolve it. Let's all be adults here. Let's let's handle this. Instead of, you know what? Let's go have this meeting with uh, this big potential customer and let's prep this and have the strategy meeting of where six months one year two years five years and where you and the organization want to be by then. i set goals and then i review it with them uh, over what we all consider realistic Um, and that mindset of i have to run the place is very different from the place needs to run through me and uh, it was a challenge at first but like i was mentioning before Trusting the team has allowed me to be able to do so because now I have people that I know I hope to retire them one day. That is extremely critical. It doesn't matter if it's if you're two people, you and your partner, developing that type of mindset and that type of work and setting clear expectations and how everything works to once you're large enough where you need to focus on that actual strategy. Because the fires are always going to be there every single day. And you can be the precedent if you're also the fireman all the time.
1: Yep, absolutely. Well, Jose, I I can't thank you enough. I always think some of the most valuable podcast episodes I do are with CEOs like you, who just share your own experience, good, bad, ugly, and uh, lessons learned. And so I so appreciate your willingness to spend a little time with me sharing what you've learned and, and advice that you have for others. So thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Anytime. And if anybody wants to reach out to me, uh, again, my full name is Jose Ramon Ristra. I run Empire Management Group out of Orlando, Florida. We operate in the Central Florida region. And um, I'm always happy to be reached out either on LinkedIn or or through, through email. And anytime, really, Gail, you're always welcome.
1: Fantastic. Yes, good. And I'll include links to that in the show notes as well. Again, special thanks to you, Jose, and for everyone else listening in. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week doing the work that matters to you. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you wanna discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.